Hey there, I'm Camila, and this is the Rugged Angel Cast. This is an hour totally dedicated to celebrating one particular woman each week as she tells her story. Thank you for joining me. You can get more involved with the Rugged Angel Cast by liking the Facebook page or following me on Twitter at Rugged Angel Cast. When you listen to the Rugged Angel Cast on WMCK.FM, you get music. New shows air on Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Then it comes back again for a repeat on Thursdays at 5 p.m. And then again for another repeat on Monday at 1 p.m. So go to WMCK.FM to get the app that works with both Android and Apple. But if you just like the chatter, sans musical selections, you can find the show at any time on iTunes and Libsyn. Just look up Rugged Angel Productions. Rugged Angel is one word. This week, Liz Lebez, the sea is silent, joins me to talk about arcade comedy theater, frankly, Scarlet Comedy, Women in Improv, and her own personal adoption story, how she tracked down her birth mother. Now, um, Liz, we originally recorded this episode. We recorded, I interviewed Liz like over the summer, I think, originally. And then for whatever reason, I had some technical difficulties and like the half of her interview did not record i was like so liz was gracious enough to come back this month and you know do it all over again and so i mean there might be some references to like last time or this that so that's what we're talking about when um you know sometimes i I think there's a point where liz mentions about the last time you know this was different or whatever so just so you're not in the dark and you're not confused that's what happened and again just to like you know point out how awesome and rock star Liz is that she came back and did it all again as though it were the first time for the most part um it just really you know thanks Liz that's I guess that's what I'm getting at thank you Liz you're awesome I'm glad I got to know you a little bit better and so now you all get to know Liz a little bit better um and she you know it was it was a great conversation so Comedy and adoption. Yeah, that's where we're going. So thank you, Liz, again, for being very open and being fantastical, sharing your life with me. So here's episode 86 of the Rugged Angel cast with Liz Labaz. All right. Welcome to the Rugged Angel cast, Liz Labaz. Yay. Happy oh. to be here. Wow, that kind of rhymed. A little bit. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Um, you know, winter-ish is coming. Yep. <laughs> winter is coming. Winter is... Surprise, it's here. Yeah. Hey, what's going on? Uh, <laughs> what's going on, it, It's a little early, honestly. <laughs> to my, for my liking, yes. Very yeah. much so. Um, it was like, you know, oh, 70s, 80s, and then 20 degrees. Right. I don't mind cold weather, but I love fall. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like we are continually more and more robbed of fall. Every year. I think you're right. Yeah. It gets shorter and shorter. It, yeah. do, it goes from like 80 degrees to 20. Yeah, exactly. Immediately. Yeah, because I do enjoy a crisp fall day. You know, yeah. like light jackets, sweaters, yes. boots. I'm all for that. Yeah, just, like just the tights, but a light jacket. Yeah. I don't have to be bundled up to my eyes. <laughs> and like, I can tolerate winter, but I, it's too much. You're better than I am because I really, I, I turn into like a straight up bitch in the winter. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, that's why most people don't see me in the winter. Cause that's I'm fair. just like, see, I'm that way in the summer when it's hot. Like, you know how some people get hangry? Yeah. I don't, I get hot gree. I don't know. That's not a word, but like if I'm hot, I'm suddenly a different person. <laughs> it's just not a good time to be around Liz. Yeah. This summer, my, my best friend was like, Oh, I forgot about summer Liz. <laughs> uh, so it's a wide known thing. Yes. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll cool off and be f- and be fine. <laughs> this is just who I am. Now I'm in air conditioning. I will calm down. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. And I just feel like um, we shouldn't be expected to live outside of Ugh. air conditioning. But fact. Uh, so speaking of like crazy weathers and whatnot, where are you from originally? I am from Philadelphia. Okay. Uh, so across the state, not terribly different weather. Um, I feel like it was a little less bonkers than Pittsburgh like Pittsburgh just sort of feels like it could be 90 degrees one day and snowing the next and raining in the morning and you know beautiful in the afternoon and sleet at night and then a mudslide over you never know how to dress leaving in the morning and now I've lived here since 2001 so it's hard to say how much of that perception is like 
just my memory of a more stable climate <laughs> growing up. Uh, <laughs> that could very well be it. You know, I, I think it's a little bit wetter and grayer here. Just a, a hair. Yeah. Um, like it, it gets about the same amount cold in Philly. Uh, but we are much, much grayer here. Yeah, I agree. Um, people have always, when I, when I bitch and moan in the wintertime mm-hmm. and they're like, where are you from? It's like, well, Ohio, but right. <laughs> like we did get a lot of sun still in yes. the winter. Yes. It's and, different. It and, is. And plus I didn't have to do anything. Like when I was living in Ohio, I was still in like school and right. I had no adult responsibility. It's like snow. How great. <laughs> I might get off of school. Right. Exactly. Now it's like, no. yeah, I worked in a hospital for the last like decade. There's no such thing as a snow day. There's a, you might have to sleep here tonight day. <laughs> not, not me. I'm not like a clinical person. So I, I doubt I would ever be kept overnight, but like, the, you know, it's not like they shut down. Yeah. It's like, oh, everyone enjoy the snow. Yeah, it's a you snow know. day. You guys don't have to come in. Don't right. worry about it. <laughs> we're open. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're working because people... Yeah. yeah. So, okay. So, what brought you here to Pittsburgh? Uh, school. I came to go to Pitt. Okay. And what did you study? Uh, psychology and theater. Psychology and theater. Yes. Now, when did the theater bug bite you? Uh, well, probably when I was like 13 or maybe no 12. I think I did my first play when I was 12. And it's so fun. So I grew up, you know, as a kid being really into science and math. Mm-hmm. And my parents were like, yes. <laughs> we win. Yes, we won. And then I did a play when I was like 12 and I was like, never mind, I'm going to be an actress. <laughs> and they were like, no, where did we go wrong? You were going to be a scientist oh, or a one doctor. Play. One play. One play. What was one the play? play. Uh, Annie. Yeah. Who were you? Uh, so the first play I ever did, I was just in chorus. The second mm. time I did Annie, I was Miss Hannigan. Sweet. And the third time I did Annie, I was Miss Hannigan. The third time. How many yeah. times have you done Annie? I have done Annie three times plus like a, a Broadway review. Really? In which I guess I was also Miss Hannigan. <laughs> so is it safe to say that that's like your... F- a little bit of a type cast. A little yeah. bit, yeah. I often played villains hmm. uh, and old ladies and like mom types, even when I was like 13. Okay, so I see... I kind of see the mom types. I see, I don't know about the old ladies, like even at like 13, but like villain, like to look I at you. I love a villain. I do. To look at you, you would never be like, oh, like you have such like a smiley, oh, nice, like you. sweet, cherubic face. Yeah, and then that's like, very sweet. And, but never would I be like, oh yeah, she'll be a great villain. But I'm love sure. Love to play a villain. I'm sure you can Love to play a villain. Um, <laughs> well, they're, they're usually the more interesting. Right. Of it's, the role. They're fun. They get to just sort of swan around the stage and chew the scenery and uh, be evil. <laughs> Um, so I always had, like, I was always the Wicked Witch in, in Wizard of Oz. I've done that twice. Um, actually, in, so I had done the the Wizard of Oz when I was, like, 14, uh, as the witch. And then I did it again in high school, and it was, like, the, the fall musical for my mm. senior year. And so I was cast as the witch. And I was really cocky and decided that because I had done it before, mm. I could also be in the play at the boys' school. Oh. So I went to an all-girls school. And so we would, like... You know, we would do plays at the all boys school in the spring and the boys would do the, our play in the fall. And, okay. But the boys school also had a fall play that was not a musical. And I had gone to auditions with my then best friend because uh, she just wanted somebody to like go, tag along with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, I can't do it. I'm already in a play. And then I got cast as the lead. Oh. Uh, <laughs> hmm. And it was probably the biggest part I did. Like I was always playing like, you know, background, not background roles, but like character character roles mm-hmm. villains um and this was like the leading actress role and i was wow. kind of like oh, i want to do it but i've already used that i would do wizard of oz i can do both what was this one this was it was called don't drink the water um it was a woody allen play and uh it was the story of a of a new jersey couple who is vacationing behind the iron curtain and oh. they get trapped there with their like young 20 something daughter uh and accused of being spies oh. and they're not spies they're just like a dry cleaner and his wife <laughs> so i was playing the wife um and it was very slapsticky and i mean i have mixed feelings on woody allen now mm-hmm. but at the time you know naive what do you know? uh yeah. <laughs> uh wide-eyed i was like this is this play is great it is and it the play remains right very funny uh it's just you know i view it with a cast now yes. um 
but yeah, I and so I decided to do both plays. So you did both plays. Got cocky. Did both. Got cocky. Plays. Did both plays, and it turned out okay. But my the director was not happy with me of the the musical at my school. She was kind of like, I gave you this big role, and like you haven't been at rehearsals. And I was kind of like, all I do is like like I can come in and cackle and then die dramatically. I'm good. <laughs> I got this because I was cocky. Right, my beautiful wickedness. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was like. Pff. Got it. It's like no problem. Not a problem. So you went to an all-girls school. I did, yes. This Catholic school? I mean, yes. okay, so it was Catholic, Catholic private, all-girls school. High school or all High through school. year? So I went to Catholic school 12 years, um, mm. but K through 8 was mixed genders. Um, so in Philly, there's the archdiocesan system, and so the archdiocese uh, runs schools. So I went to an archdiocesan uh, grade school until mm-hmm. 8th grade. And then I went to a private Catholic school on scholarship for okay. high school. Um, and that was a little bit more like they're just not as under the hierarchy, I guess. So we kind of the nuns just did what they want. <laughs> <laughs> What's, I mean, don't they usually? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, like we weren't beholden to like the number of snow days or, you know, how, okay. you know how if kids get too many snow days, they have to right. like, go to school, school later. Yeah. The nuns were like, we're not doing that. Oh, <laughs> What was the name of the high school? It was at Nazareth Academy High School. Okay. Yeah. I have a friend who's, but I feel like you probably, do you know Christine Nangle? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah. All so right. she, yes, we have talked extensively about the all girls Catholic high school scene in, in Philly. Philly. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> my mom went to Holy, uh, to Little Flower, which okay. is where she went. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So how did this, how did going to, well, you had the pleasure of getting both, um, you know, regular co-ed school and mm-hmm. then just switching over to the all-girl school. Was it your choice? Was it your preference to go to an all-girl school? Um, I definitely knew I wanted to go to a prep school. Like, I wanted mm-hmm. to go somewhere hard and nerdy because I was a nerdy. Um, <laughs> it was hard and nerdy. Hard and nerdy. That seems like a nerdy rap song or something. Yes. <laughs> um, and... Most of the private schools uh, that gave out academic scholarships were single sex. Um, And so I was happy to go to an all-girls school. Now, what I really wanted to do was go to Philly's Kappa, which is the Creative Performing Arts High School. Um, That's what I begged to do. Mm. And my parents were like, no, (laughs) you can go to any Catholic school you want, but you are not going to to public school. Uh, and I mean, I, I think I wrote like an essay about why I should be allowed to go to, to your Kappa. parents, to my like, parents, it was, it was just to my parents. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, I was making a case <laughs> and they were like, no, hard. No, you can, you could literally get a lawyer and sue us and we're not sending you to public school. You will go to a Catholic school. And, you know, flash forward many years later, I am not Catholic anymore. And okay. My, so you were raised, Catholic. I was raised Catholic. My parents are both very Catholic. And, you know, in the in in my 20s, when I was doing this out with my parents of like, why aren't you Catholic anymore? I was like, well, you know, if you hadn't made me go to school and think about it for at least an hour a day, every day, maybe I'd still be Catholic. Like the chances are. But like, like if it was just kind of like a thing I did once a week. okay. but I was like, I went to religion class every day for 12 years where you think about like the the academics of of religion. And around like age 13, I was kind of like, not not so much for me, I think. <laughs> yeah, I went to Catholic school, Catholic private school yeah. the whole way through. And, I mean, we weren't Catholic. It was yeah. just my mom just didn't want us at the public school. Yeah. But, you know, it was, it's it's every day. The every day. Every day and then mass every Friday. And, and, and uh, you're questioning, you're talking about, like, the, the dogma, right? Yeah. And, and as I'm getting older, I'm like, this doesn't, something doesn't, like, add up here for me, personally. <laughs> like, I'm really not my thing, but that's fine. All right, so what do you think that, but, okay, so outside of the religion that you left behind, mm-hmm. um, what did you get out of going to an all-girls school? Oh, uh, so I ultimately loved it. Um, I, if I could go back, I wouldn't undo a thing. Um, and I really had a big chip on my shoulder the first year there, because I was like, I belong at Kappa with the artists. Uh. <laughs> um, and I think a couple of things. So there's, I mean, there's documented evidence that going to single-sex schools allows young women to succeed in a way that oh, they can't absolutely. in uh you know mixed gender classes you're, um there's more focus right and you're they're not i'm assuming you know not afraid yes like to and be they, smart yes exactly and you know there there have been studies that show that teachers even with an unconscious bias call on boys more even mm. if they don't intend to um now i think a lot of those things there are 
pluses to going to a mixed gender school as well. But for me, I think what the ultimate, like, yes, this was the right decision selling point of an all girl school was, is that it forced me to really come to grips with the fact that I was not unique among women in being like chill or into science or (laughs) uh like to eat burger like i i got rid of the like not like other girls complex cool girl yes Mm -hmm. uh you know the the not like other girls complex really early and i went in with it like i was definitely like oh other girls like pink and barbies and i'm cool and i like to wear black eyeliner (laughs) um and i'm smart and academic and competitive and then i went to school with like hundreds of exceptional women Mm. who were all cool and and not all i mean there were certainly people i didn't get along with right um but who you know all of them passed a test to get into this school Mm. and were generally very nerdy and academic and there was a huge population of people who were smarter than me and and i was kind of like oh what's this so you were definitely challenged but you also found your tribe yes exactly and it really made me go like oh you know what um I don't need to be one of the guys. Mm. I being one of the girls is great, um, and there there's a million different ways to be a, a woman, and it doesn't have to be this like idea that I have come into school with. Um, that's so a, that's I, I will forever that, be grateful to that school for that. It's amazing that you were able that you got that message. Yeah, early, I don't know that so I could have in life. I don't know that I could have articulated it mm. until maybe more recently of like what it is about my single sex education that was so powerful but i maybe in the last like five to ten years i've been like that's what it is Mm -hmm. like it's not just the ability to to grow and you know the you know lack of male competition but it was the it was really the it sort of forced me to have female friends Mm -hmm. it was like you will have female friends or no friends (laughs) um and i've remained friends with those women till now uh which has been great yeah, it's, you know, it's something that we all as women need to pay more attention to very early in our lives. And, you know, I grew up like being bullied or whatever from like, you know, I grew mm-hmm. up with a lot of mean girls. Yes. And that kind of um, that skewed my view of women. And it just kind of like ruined me for a few years as to where I was stuck in that. Not like other girls yes. that, you know, quote, cool girl. And, you know, most of my friends are guys and yada, right. yada. Until like, you know, maybe 10, 15 years ago where I made a conscious decision as like, you know what, this is this is jacked up. Like I yeah. need I need female friends in yes. my life. So um yeah, it's 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 good that you are able to Yeah. And it was it was a that. it was a forced experience. Like, right. you know, it was kinda like you you will learn this lesson or you will be alone <laughs> for four years, which, you know, I guess I could have been, but um I think it was it was just luck of the not luck of the draw. There was a conscious decision there, but uh, I, I am very grateful for that experience. Okay, so you're into theater. Mm-hmm. You went to college um, with a theater major. Um, when did comedy start to get start to get introduced to you? You're also a writer as yes. well. Yes. Um, so that writing almost felt like a thing that I fought for so long. I had a bunch of teachers, and um, so my parents were always really anti not really anti my theater career, but they were like, Oh, why do you want to do this for a career? (laughs) But for some reason they had this idea of like, I think if I had said I wanted to be a journalism major or a writing major, they would, they would have been okay with it. Mm. Cause for some reason they viewed that as like totally doable. And Mm. it seemed a bit more of like a a regular occupation. Maybe. And I'm kind of like, it's really hard to be a working writer, (laughs) maybe harder than being an actor. Probably. Um, to make a living. Like, mm. but I, I think that just comes from like, I don't know probably popular media of like, Oh, you could get a job at a newspaper, you know, all those newspapers that are really doing super well these days. Newsprint will never go out. Never die. The printed word. Um, and, but comedy came from, uh, honestly, my, my first weekend at Pitt, um, my high school best friend and I, we both went to Pitt, uh, found ourselves at Friday Night Improvs. Hmm. Um, there was a, a little f- coupon in our freshman packet, and it was a free admission. Uh, we both forgot that coupon, <laughs> <laughs> but we remembered where to go, and so we ended up in the Cathedral of Learning at Pitt's campus. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember they used to do that. Yeah, for the 11 p.m. show. Uh, it cost $2 when I first started going, Ugh. and I th- from that moment, I was, like, hooked. Hmm. Um, I think I always 
was drawn to comedic roles and joking around and being funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was improv that really kind of honed that focus into like, oh, comedic arts mm-hmm. uh, as a sort of a separate focus. So you've never done stand up? I have not. No. Was that something you would try? Uh, I don't think so. the The closest I've ever come to stand up is there have been a couple of uh, roasts of fictional characters Mm. at uh, Arcade, uh, Arcade Comedy Theater, which is where I mostly perform and teach. Um, So it was like a roast of the presidents and then a roast of Santa, (laughs) and so everyone sort of wrote like roast material. So that's probably the closest I've ever done to stand up. Um, I. I think it maybe if I had never discovered improv, but it, as an art form, it's just much more my cup of tea. It's more mm. collaborative. Um, I like the the team effort. I like the theatricality of it. Right. Um, and I mean, to make it in stand up, you need to be performing like at open nights, open mics, like every night. Mm. And I'm kind of like I'm too old for that now. <laughs> maybe if I had decided to do that in my twenties. Right. Um, but yeah, stand up has never really been a huge draw for me. I like watching it. Mm. Um, but it's it's not my super cup of tea. Well it's like I mean you have you know, you mentioned arcade comedy and Knights of the Arcade is kind of what you're mostly you, Liz, would be. What's the character you play? Uh, so I my my character's name is Lizbeth Ionon. So everyone just calls me Liz. It's very not confusing. So I never forget who they're talking to, which is nice. Um, although it's a little it's maybe not very creative. I didn't name myself uh, when when they were making characters. Uh, Fred, who's the DM, I think he just made my character and named me Elizabeth <laughs> So for those who are not familiar with what Knights of the Arcade are... So it is a, a Dungeons & Dragons role-playing improv game. Improv show. Um, and it started about four years ago, uh, give or take, and at the arcade, and sort of when arcade was new, mm-hmm. and uh, it kind of came out of... Um, there's a podcast called Harmontown, Mm-hmm. Um, and on Harmontown, which is Dan Harmon, who's the creator of like okay. community and, uh, they play Dungeons and Dragons sometimes huh. as maybe like a small segment. Uh, okay. And I think Fred and maybe Brad Stevenson were listening to it and going like, we could do something like this, but live and on stage wow. instead of a podcast, this could be a show. Um, and they pitched it and arcade was kind of new and like, yeah, we'll try it, (laughs) whatever. And it took off. Took off. You guys have like a ridiculous amount of like dedicated fans. It is crazy. It is crazy. And sometimes I will joke around that like, it makes me crazy that that is the, probably the (laughs) thing I'm most successful in doing in my life. I've worked so hard at other things of writing and like theater and auditioning and, and this is the thing that I landed in kind of accidentally because uh, I needed a nerdy girl. Uh, and I was like, yeah, all right, I'll try it for a month. Uh, four years four later, years I'm still later. involved. Um, Isn't that always the way? It it's is. an accidental thing. Yes. And like, I mean, I think that's probably super true for a lot of mm-hmm. for a lot of artists. You, you've, you know, uh, an actor who finds himself on a national commercial and suddenly they're the Wendy's girl for the right. next 10 years of their life. <laughs> like, like, what the? Uh, <laughs> like I went really to Juilliard. <laughs> No. <laughs> Didn't you see me in the Lion King? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, but it, it, it's also, I mean, it's been an incredible experience. Like the fans are amazing. They're so fun. And like, they constantly surprise us. We had a, a fan out in California. Oh, who, wow. Uh, or I think maybe Hawaii. Now that I'm thinking of it, maybe she moved from California to Hawaii, uh, who surprised us with fan art. Cause the uh, Knights of the Arcade is also a podcast. Okay. Um, and she, started doing fan art for us and it's amazing i mean it is beautiful that's awesome like it's stunning and i i was like i can't believe i am living a life in which someone has made fan art with my face in it right that's ridiculous yes i mean she's incredibly talented like we should be selling her uh her prints and getting her a cut and but we're very lazy none (laughs) of us do this as a full-time job so um so you guys have started recently just kind of started taking it on the road a little bit yeah we've gone to a couple we've gone to gen con twice Mm -hmm. um which is uh the largest board gaming convention in the country um and so we've done we'll do a show there and then we also teach workshops Mm. um so we kind of tweaked uh some basic improv workshop stuff to be about 
uh, role playing games. Mm. Um, so huh. essentially taking some of the tenets of improv and and just making it specifically about like skills you would need as either a role playing game player or a game master oh, uh, who's sort of designing the game. Did you play Dungeons and Dragons before you started doing? I this? did not. Do you play Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> uh, I do now, mostly with knights. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and I play in a role-playing game uh, that my boyfriend runs as a, a game master. But, yeah, not really. I It was more like they needed they needed a girl. Uh, <laughs> and they asked. So Mike Rubino is one of the characters, and his wife, Abby, is my best friend and also a writing partner in mm. Frankly Scarlet. Uh, and they asked her, uh, and she kind of listened to the pitch and went like, no, thank you. <laughs> She wanted no parts I, of And she has since been sucked into it. Like, oh, we okay. have gotten her involved. She's guest starred a bunch of times. She's traveled with us and gone to Gen Con. Um, we have we have trapped her in the Knights universe. <laughs> but uh, at the time, she was kind of like, that's not really my cup of tea. I am a little nerdy, but I'm not that nerdy. <laughs> Why don't you call Liz? She is nerdier than me. And I am. Uh, And I kind of went, okay. And at first it was sort of pitched as this idea that it would be a rotating cast. Like, Mm. just do it for a month. And if you don't like it, we'll, you know, you can can replace you. And um, it has been pretty much solidly the same cast uh, for basically the entire time. Wow. Um, We now have some very regular guest stars who come on often. uh, But for the most part, I think John Feitner started out as a guest star. Oh, okay. And he guested enough times that we were like, you're just in the cast now. (laughs) Come on, get in here. Um, He's pretty good. He's fun. He's good. He, I love how he gets into character. Yes. uh, Beforehand by listening to YouTube videos, Christian Bale. I think so. Speaking in an Australian accent. Yeah. Uh, it's the best. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I kind of went like, I've never played D and D. So before the show started, I did play a couple of campaigns to mm-hmm. just learn the rules. Mm-hmm. And, um, I mean, the, the show itself is a pared down version of D and D. There's not quite as much rule following and stats. Right. Uh, and we do roll dice, uh, to decide what we do and mm-hmm. how things go. And, um, you know, everyone has had does have stats and things they mm-hmm. can do, and um, we sort of walk the line on when we will do things that aren't in the list of things we're allowed. And sometimes Fred, uh-huh. who runs the the show, will let us get away with it, and other times he'll kind of go like, "No, you can't do that. <laughs> That's not a thing you're able to do. Move along." Do you guys have trading cards yet for your characters? Not yet, not yet. <laughs> I think it's. I think maybe there's digital versions okay. now that I think about it. Um, but yeah, that's probably coming at some point. So you mentioned Frankly Scarlet, which yeah. is... So Frankly Scarlet is me, Abby Feuder, and Robin Hitchcock. Uh, I believe Abby at least has guested on here mm-hmm. before. Um, and so we are friends from college, uh, who have done improv and... Oh, Abby uh, has, Abby's twig. Abby has not been on here yet. Oh, okay. On the podcast yet. Gotcha. Gotta get on here, We're Abby. We're gonna get you, Abby. Um... <laughs> So, you know, Abby and I knew each other from the theater world at Pitt, and Robin and I knew each other from Friday Night Improvs, and then we lived together in Forbes Craig, which was the honors upperclassman dorm at Pitt. And Robin didn't do improv until she moved to South Africa uh, for a couple of years, um, and has said sort of like, I all of my friends did improv, so I didn't want to start as a beginner here so she went away (laughs) for several years not with the express purpose of learning improv it's like i'm going to south africa to learn improv yeah her husband had a postdoctoral fellowship (laughs) um but when she came back uh she had gotten very good at improv um Mm -hmm. and now teaches for the arcade and but before that uh she had started writing um and we kind of decided we wanted to do uh this sort of female-centric comedy group. And at the time, there really wasn't that happening. There have since been a couple of uh, solely female improv troops. Mm. Um, but we do sketch, improv, a little bit of video. Um, we've had Addie in to do music. Um, and so I think our first show was in maybe 2012. Oh, wow. Um, so it's maybe before that. Robin's kind of our historian. <laughs> um and so our first shows were a mixture of sketch and improv. And we've sort of since either kind of gone to an either or where we'll either do sketch a whole sketch show or just an improv show. Um, and so we write collaboratively. So usually one of us will come up with an idea for a sketch. 
write a first draft of it and then we'll sort of edit it together. Okay. We have also done true collaborative writing where we'll just sit at a table and pound out a sketch, okay. but that's not our usual. We're, we're much more collaborative editors mm. um, than we are, you know, actually writing line by line. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I know that there was like, you guys were on pause for a while because mm-hmm. Robin had moved away again. Yeah. And then she came back. And so you guys are we're back, back. In the, back in the rotation. Yeah. Uh, when, no, when she was in South Africa, I think we did one full sketch show when she was back for a visit, I think for some, for our friend Ben's wedding. Mm. Um, we, we just squeezed it right in there. <laughs> um, and we have done a bunch of improv shows. Um, our improv shows are called frankly, Scarlet all made up. Mm. Um, and then we usually will bring on like some female guests to uh, play games and, and do some long form with us. Uh, and then sketch, we usually participate in the sketch Phil festival, uh, which is a, usually a weekend long f- uh, sketch festival at arcade. Okay. We usually do about six shows of uh, sketch from various different sketch troops in the city. Hmm. Um, and then we probably do one of our own sketch shows, maybe a year every or a year and a half. Mm. Um, but we did some sketch in the opening for arcade. Um, so full sketch shows take just an enormous amount of work. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, so they're pretty rare for us. How um, long are they usually? Usually about 90 minutes. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that we do pretty rarely, but we'll pepper in sketches into other shows mm-hmm. when we can. All right. Well, um, you guys have anything coming up? Not scheduled. So since the arcade moved, um, so arcade used to be at 811 Liberty Avenue. Now it is at 943 Liberty Avenue. I need to come in and see the new space. Oh, you got to get there. It's beautiful. I mean, it is stunning. Like it, the the downstairs theater has like doors and windows and like flats to use. I mean, there's, it's the theatricality has just upped an enormous amount. It's great. The, like and the, the little theater that could like right <laughs> such um, an amazing story it's <clears throat> amazing the audience is now like a raked audience so the stadium seating so it's easier to see oh fantastic yeah um we've better lighting and then we have an upstairs theater that's still like a little black box yeah uh, little you know and in fact i think it is literally the same stage from 811 we brought it back <laughs> um a little bit of a smaller room a little more intimate um so we've done a lot of like stand-up shows there um, some improv still. So, you know, the idea is that we'll be running shows simultaneously upstairs and downstairs. Wow. Um, so that's been exciting. But since the opening was kind of up in the air about when that's going to happen, mm. um, the monthly shows have to kind of reshuffle ourselves and figure out where we're going to be. Gotcha. Um, I would guess we'll probably start doing improv again in the winter. Okay. Um, we don't usually do every month, but it was, I think at some point we were looking to do every other month. How do you fine how are you how do you schedule yourself because you have a regular nine to five job that's also kind of like yeah a, not just like a throwaway <laughs> nine to five job right, either right. and so how it's hard uh i think all of us don't sleep very much yeah. <laughs> um uh, all three of us teach for arcade at mm. various times um and do kind of administrative work for arcade and are on house teams for arcade wow. so we it, it's tough um to find the time it's often like i'll meet you at 10 o'clock after your rehearsal for this other thing um and then we'll rehearse until midnight and drink a lot of coffee in the morning wow <laughs> what are you teaching what are you teaching specifically so right, right now? now i'm teaching 201 which is the uh short form for performance class okay so it's sort of uh you know everybody in it has been through at least two improv classes so far some have been through more um, base, the, the track is you have to do 101 and 102, which is sort of the, the basics of improv. Mm-hmm. And then at that point you can sort of pick different routes. Um, short form is more of the whose line is it anyway, mm-hmm. uh, structured games where there are, you know, shorter games with rules and sometimes with a gimmick. Um, that's sort of what Friday Night Improv was, which was my long ago background. So I came up doing short form. Okay. I now perform probably mostly long form, okay. um, but I have a very long history of uh, performing short form. Okay. And how, with your such a busy schedule, how do you take <laughs> care of yourself? How do you? Um, you just try and squeeze it in, like the, uh, of, you know, using my, my PTO time at work mm. to take a, a mental health day when I need one. Um, and what's nice about, you know, my job is that there's no, like, I have to <coughs> call in sick. Yeah. Um, I'm just kind of like, hey, there I don't have any meetings on Friday. 
can I'm just gonna that's awesome be home I have the time to use it that's um amazing. and so I mean you know it requires that you not have any meetings which is not right. always <laughs> the case sometimes it's tough um to try to get that yeah. day mm. uh and just I've always been a person who doesn't sleep very much. Hmm. Now that has gotten harder and harder as I've gotten older. <laughs> I, I feel it wear on me much more. Oh. Uh, like in my 20s, I was kind of like, yes, I can stay out till four in the morning. <laughs> and not like love. partying. It's not like I was at Ritter's, you know, eating <laughs> egg sandwiches and drinking coffee. <laughs> like not, you know, clubbing it up. Right. Um, like I've just been up like reading comics all night. Yes, like, right. <laughs> it's not like I was not like on the town, you know, jet setting, <laughs> playing GTA, uh, getting like ta- table service or whatever. I don't even know what cool people do. My entire getting definition of service. cool people is clubbing, which is all I know. Um, but just like yeah, we'll stay out playing board games until four a.m. and then go to my nine to five job in the morning. Mm. I can't do that as much. Um, so really trying to force myself to like go to bed when I get home as opposed mm. to go to bed and then just screw around for three hours on the internet um, or, just you know, all God knows what. Yeah. Got to squeeze in those 20 minutes of yoga where I can or my back will explode. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yes. It's lovely how much how age just right? like forces us to take care of ourselves yes. better. Hey, pay attention. <laughs> so you have kind of a, an interesting uh, story. You were adopted. Mm hmm. And you told me a story before about how you found your birth mother. Yes. Uh, I used the internet. The interwebs. One of those nights that you were up till like six. Right. Uh, It was actually in the morning, which is shocking because I'm usually, I usually have terrible ideas in the morning or zero (laughs) ideas at all uh, because my brain's not working. So like how old were you when you does, well, I'm assuming, okay, let's pedal back a little bit. Yeah. I'm sure it was always on your mind growing Mm -hmm. up. Yes. Just who she was and who your biological parents were. Absolutely. And was there, was it a closed adoption? Very. Okay. So Pennsylvania, especially in the eighties had really tight laws. I mean, essentially I grew up and I, I have always known that I was adopted. There was never a time. Like I don't remember being told. Mm -hmm. Um, it It was was just just always the truth of my life. Okay. Um, I'm sure there was like, I, I think my parents had like, little kid you know the books of like this is how our family was made or whatever (laughs) um and so it was always a fact Mm. of my life and uh i just assumed that someday i would have to like hire a private detective and it would be a years-long search Mm. and and if it ever panned out it would take so long and be so expensive and you know, so I thought, like, ah, it'll have to wait until I have a good job and I can afford to do that and blah. And then one day I was – I woke up from a dream my senior year of college. Mm. Uh, and I'm not usually a person who is like, oh, I had a prophetic dream. Gotcha. <laughs> um, but I also do – you know, dreams are a way that your brain processes information. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think that that can be something that, that is useful. I don't think they're necessarily prophetic, but uh, – I dreamed that I found my birth mom on a message board on the internet. And I thought, well, God, how come I've never tried that? I look up everyone on the internet. Like, I love to Google people. (laughs) It's my favorite thing. And so this is, like, not necessarily in the infancy of the internet. No. So this was, like, 2005. Okay. Um, And I went, okay, well, so I I knew my birth date. I knew... The hospital that I was born in. So okay. that was a big one. Um, I, I thought that my mom, my birth mom had red hair, which turned out to be true. And I believed that my n- name was originally Megan, also turned out to be true. Hmm. Now, those things didn't end up actually being that helpful. It was really the birth date and the hospital. Okay. Um, and what really made the difference is that she was looking for me. Okay. If she hadn't been, this would have gone a totally different way. Wow. But she put her information out there and kind of said, you know, it was this date in this hospital. Here are the details. Was it like a missed connection thing or was it no, like a, a it was literally a website, a website for, for adoptees okay. and uh, birth parents to okay. reconnect. Oh. Um, and so I kind of was like, this seems correct. <laughs> Now, the only snafu had been that between the time when she put up that post with all of her contact information and when I found it, it had maybe been two years. Oh, okay. Uh, 
she had like been in a terrible car accident, gone to the hospital and like lived in the hospital for six months. And then her address had changed. Mm. So I was like 21 or 22 at the time. And I kind of was like, well, it seems awkward. Like email seems too impersonal, Mm. but calling seems terrifying. (laughs) Uh, I still hate calling people on the phone. (laughs) And for that, I was like, that seems just like a nightmare. I'll write a letter. Oh, like how, you know, old school or dramatic dear mother yes and it was like this whole thing of like if it's not you please just let me know um and this whole long letter i think it was on catwoman stationery now that i think about it yeah and never heard a thing nothing and so then i was like well maybe she changed her mind like oh no now she doesn't want to meet me and then part of my brain kind of went like why do you think like I mean, and there were like a couple of different postings. Like she was all over the internet. I had also found an article from the Philly city paper in the nineties about like where she was interviewed as part of a, it was like a advocacy group Hmm. to change adoption laws to make them more open. And and so the, the little reasonable part of my brain that wasn't like smarting from perceived rejection went, do you really think that after (laughs) 20 something years of actively looking for you in the last two years, she's gone like, nah, (laughs) never mind. Nah, never mind. (laughs) I'm good. I don't want to do it. (laughs) Um, so with the recommendation of a friend, I contacted the Philly city paper Hmm. to kind of say like, Hey, uh, you wrote an article in the nineties about this woman and her birth daughter. I think I'm her. How do I get in a hold of her? And then it was just this, like, chain of, well, that writer doesn't work here anymore, but he works here. Here's his email address. So then I got a hold of the writer and who was working at a different publication. He was like, well, I don't have Mary Jo's information anymore, but I do have the information for the woman who ran the uh, support group for birth mothers. Oh. Here's her information. And it was just, like, you know, one node to another. Wow. Um, and so contacted that woman she did have updated information. Now, the the further complication is that my birth mom was, she, she would call it common law married at the time. They had just been living together for 10 years. Mm. Uh, her, I'm just going to call him her husband because right. it's less confusing. Right. My birth common law stepdad, whatever. <laughs> uh, he had a family, like his family lived in the Chesapeake Bay area and his mom was very sick. He was a, parole officer in philly and so i had a weekday job so mary joe my birth mom would spend a lot of time in the chesapeake bay house helping to care for his mom mm-hmm. and he would like come back and work for a couple days uh and, and live at their philly house so he got the call okay. from this support group lady and his immediate like you know he's been in law enforcement his whole life and so he was like well i'm suspicious immediately mm. Uh, this could be a scam right. and okay. Uh, so we're going to do a DNA test and I'll do a background check and all this stuff. And so Sue, who is the support group woman was like, okay, you know, she's open all doing. And I said that, like, I was like, we can do a DNA test. Yeah. Like that seems reasonable. Right. Um, that's seems like, like a I good would, idea. Yeah, in fact. I would also like to know. I would like to do that. Too. <laughs> uh, you know, so it was like, I, that's all reasonable. I think she would totally be down for it. But before you go down this path, let me fax you a picture of her. So I, I had sent Sue my, my photo. And so she faxed over this picture to Preston, uh, who he's like, I watched it come out of the printer. <laughs> and by the time it got around to your nose, I was like, yep, yeah, okay, we can just cancel all the tests. That's definitely her. Oh, wow. uh, you look identical. Wow. <laughs> um. And so, like, he, like, packed up all his stuff and, like, drove down to, to Maryland. And, and, you know, Mary Jo's like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm cooking dinner. And he was like, no, let's go out. We're going to go out for dinner. And she was like, what? What? And he was like, well, I want to go out. Were they still together? Yeah. Okay. And the, yeah, they, they are no longer together now, but they were at the time. Mm. And he was like, let's go out. I want to go out. And she was like, Okay. Is everything okay? He's like, yeah, I just, I, tonight, feel we should go out. Let's go out. <laughs> and she's, you know, told this story a million times now. And she's like, he was being super weird. But I was just kind of like, I'm going to go with it. Let's, so they go to this, like, local restaurant that they knew really well. There was a wait. Um, they ordered. 
And then he went, uh, let's get it to go and go home. Jesus. And she was like, what? What? What is, what is wrong with you? Are you dying? <laughs> like, what's happening? And he was like, I just, I want to eat it at home. I want to eat it at home. <laughs> and so they, and she's like, okay. I don't know what's happening, but all right. So they wrap it up and they go home and she, he finally tells her and she's kind of, and she's like, okay, you could have just spit right. it out. It's like you could have said that when you capped at the door. Like right. <laughs> so, you know, she was thrilled and we made contact and then her dad, my grandfather at the time was still like, had like a sales route that came through Pittsburgh occasionally. And so she came on the, the next time he came through Pittsburgh <laughs> Um, and I've described it like I was, do you remember, I don't know if you remember Kivahan in Oakland, yeah. uh, you know, rest in peace, Kivahan, no. my favorite coffee shop of all time. Uh, we had decided to meet there and I was like sitting outside on Craig street and a door to a car opened. The car had not entirely stopped. And just this like tumbleweed of red hair and bags, <laughs> and bags. came flying at me. <laughs> oh. Uh, so it was very sweet and, uh, it's been great. Uh, like, everyone's been very open i think my grandparents had a little bit of like guilt because they were very pushy to making the adoption happen your adoptive my, or, or my the birth bi- grandparents birth grand- my okay. biological grandparents oh um, oh wow okay. so there was a little bit of awkwardness there of like uh we insisted that she give you up right. now hello here you are yeah um but that has pretty much passed my my birth grandmother has since passed on um my birth grandfather is still alive um and so everyone's been great uh there's a whole huge extended family there's some family that lives here in pittsburgh weirdly enough um and so that's been great and then you know my birth mom was like well do you want to meet your birth dad i remember his name i could probably track him down and i kind of went like give me a couple years to just learn everybody in in. (laughs) in this enormous catholic irish family Uh, cause there's like a thousand people and a million cousins that I don't know. And everyone in my family is named Terry, Carol, or David. Oh, jeez. <laughs> my grandfather's name is Carol Terrence and he goes by Terry. And then his brother's name is Terrence Carol okay. and he goes by Carol. Oh God. <laughs> right. And then their older brother's name is David and everyone in the family. There's like young David and youngest David and big David and older David. Oh like it's, God. it's too much. I'm like, you guys know there are other names, right? right? This is ridiculous. Come on. You're killing me here. <laughs> so how long did this entire process take for you? So from, from first thought to actually meeting mm. maybe six months. Oh wow. That's not, yeah, that's not long at all. It was pretty, and that might even be shorter than that. Like, it was pretty fast. Wow. Um, Look at you, you little private eye. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you did your detective work. Did and- my detective work. And then a couple years in, I was like, okay, I, I have come to a balance. Let's meet the other side now. Yeah. And so I met my birth dad. And um, he is married to the woman that he was dating when he found out that I existed. Mm. So my birth mom and him dated for like a hot minute then lost touch he had been a student at her college um and then left because his dad had passed away Mm. to go to a school a little bit closer to home and uh started dating a woman who would then become his wife who had a daughter oh he has adopted that daughter oh wow (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh so i have a birth adopted half sister Mm. and uh, so she and I get along great. She has two daughters. Uh, they're my nieces. They're adorable. Yeah. Um, we have decided that the word to use is just sister-ish. sister-ish. This is my sister-ish. I like it. It's very complicated. <laughs> just let's go with no, it. Right. You don't need to know anything more than that. Yep. Just don't ask. Uh, there's a lot of modifiers on that word, but you know what? <laughs> Family's family. Um, and then I have a younger brother uh, who's in his mid twenties. Um, and I think he's currently like on a film crew in Costa Rica, maybe. Oh really? Um, he's living his best life. It's great. Were you brought up an only child? Yes. I was brought up an only child. Uh, and now I suddenly have siblings and it's like, what? Uh, but it, it, like they look like they fell out of an Abercrombie magazine. Like they're both athletic and smart (laughs) and nice. Like they're those kids who are in high school that were like, like popular, but also really nice. nice. Uh, And you're like, I can't even hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. and i do like 
I do sometimes think like, man, what would it have been like to grow up as the middle child to those two? <laughs> like my sister went to Harvard for grad school. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. Great. You're perfect. Congratulations. I'm sure it's all very nice for you. Yeah. You're a delightful, Harvard educated, brilliant, beautiful, perfect person. But she, and, and also incredibly nice and kind. God. Um, no, they're, they are a delightful family. Um, Were your and, parents supportive of yes. the search and everything? Uh, I think it was hard for them, mm-hmm. particularly my mom. My mom took it harder than my dad. Uh, my dad, in general, is just, like, a chiller person. Mm. <laughs> uh, and he was kind of like, I mean, like, I'm still your dad, so... <laughs> don't, like, don't call him dad. I'm it's, your dad. That's all I asked. And I was like, got it. <laughs> Done. Um... And my mom was much more complicated of like, I don't know how I feel. I have a lot of feelings. I want you to be supported. I want you to do this. But, um, like, you know, you're still mine, though. And yeah. so it, it was it was complicated, but ultimately really great. Um, and like my birth mom has spent Christmases with us in Philly. And like my mom had breast cancer about eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And when that happened, my birth. So my birth mom is a chef by trade mm-hmm. and my birth mom like cooked meals for her for months oh, while wow. she was doing chemo. That's so like, amazing. it's been a really lovely, yeah. it's gone as well as it could possibly go. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And to the point where I sometimes hesitate, like I'll meet other adoptees and they'll be like, how did you do it? And you know, or like, what do I do? And I hesitate a little bit because like not every story ends like mine. And, like, I've written a couple of pieces on adoption for the hairpin and uh, the now defunct The Toast. Mm. Uh, rest in peace, The Toast. Um, and there's a – that became sort of like a, a genre at The Toast was uh, personal essays by adop- – mostly by adoptees. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think my story ended up being very easy right. in, in comparison. Um, I had very few bumps – uh, it was mostly just like happy story. Yeah, you got like the ideal case, like right there, like yeah. six months cert, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like six found search, boom, she boom, was looking found for him, me. found birth dad. We're now, super cool. Yeah, you know. <laughs> everything went well. Everyone, like, I was really paranoid that my siblings would be upset mm. um, because my so my birth dad's wife, uh, she knew that I existed. Like, I think when the adoption happened, because basically he got a call that was like, "Hello, surprise, you have a daughter." come here and sign a paper to give her up for adoption. He was like, blah, what? Wow. I, I, what should I do? I was planning on marrying this woman who also has a daughter and adopting her. Wow. Uh, And, you know, my grandfather's like breathing down his neck, like you're going to sign these papers. Um, So his wife knew that I existed and that like I might pop up in their life at some point. So Mm -hmm. she was prepared. Um, and she has been delightful and welcoming and lovely. Uh, but I don't know that my siblings knew that I existed until I was like, surprise, I'm here. Like, hello. Um, and so I was a little bit worried. Like, I don't want to come in here and wreck your life. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you have this idea of what your life is. And then surprise, you have another sibling. Right. Um, but they've been amazing and wonderful and uh, super, op- like, open. And there's, there's something to be said for, like, you can't replace a sibling experience. I will never have... Like, I will never have grown up with them. Right. Um, but as much as they can be welcoming now, they are. Um, and are fun and cool. And I'm like, this is neat. <laughs> what are siblings like? <laughs> well, that's good. I mean, I'm really happy that you had such a positive experience. Yeah. With that. Because, you know, it could have really gone the other way. And, oh, yeah. you know, you lucked yeah. out as to where, you know, you got an amazing story out of it. Yes. Um, so... Okay, so what haven't you done yet that you would like to do? Oh, um, I have traveled a good amount, but I would like to travel more. Um, I think kids are probably in my future, hmm. um, although I don't exactly know when. And I'm sure, like, you know, the biological clock in the back of my head that I've put pillows on top of is like, hey, <laughs> you're 34. Hello. Hey, excuse me. Hi. <laughs> excuse hi. me. Hi. <laughs> and I'm like, science can solve anything. It can't. Um, you know, I uh, have started a new job, and so I'm doing a lot more, a job with a lot more responsibility, mm. and, like, I'll be going to conferences, and so um, really trying to come into my own there. I guess that's not something I haven't done, but it's something I'm not fully doing. Okay. As, you know, to the extent of my abilities yet. Um, 
I would like to tour a little bit more okay. with the, the groups that I'm with, particularly like Knights have definitely been out and, and done some touring. Frankly, Scarlet hasn't at all. Really? And I think we probably should. Oh, absolutely. Um, we, I think you guys should get in on that um, Comic-Con circuit. Yes. Also. Yeah. Yeah. Espe- Knights especially should get on the Comic-Con circuit. Right. Um, frankly, Scarlet, I think we could do well of just like, we know so many people in different cities that have improv theaters of just like, Hey, we're going to come here and we'll stay with my parents for a weekend yeah. and do a show. And we'll stay with my birth parents for another yeah. weekend and do a show. Get creative with them. Yeah. Man. <laughs> you know what? That's, I, if I'm going to have 7,000 parents, I must right. well cash in on it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. So now is the time okay. for your music block. My music block. Time for Liz's choice of her five favorite songs by female artists okay i wrote i wrote it down all right super. i'm gonna try and not wrinkle this paper in the in the <laughs> microphone too much <laughs> all right uh so first choice uh is kesha's praying word now the last time we talked that song had not come out right but i i can almost guarantee i had a different kesha song yeah on my you did list. I, yeah <laughs> um i remember we huge had a conversation fan. about kesha yes huge fan i know of you've like Recently, you saw her, like, she was at yeah, uh, the Pride came, Parade or something? She was at Pride, and then she actually came back again and did Mr. Smalls. Oh, really? So the Mr. Smalls tour was when she was unable to record. It was when she was still, uh, are you familiar fighting with the, the whole Dr. Luke thing? Yeah, fighting with all the, like, yeah. the record label and everything. And So she was doing really small venues around the country with mm. just, like, the existing hits. Okay. Um, and I think it was, A, a little bit of a revenue generator of, like, mm. I have no more new right. new albums coming in. Right. Um, and just to kind of keep herself fresh, and uh, she did some covers, and so it was an amazing show. I mean, it was incredible. Um, she is a really spectacular performer, and I don't know that you get that quite so much in just the recorded stuff. Mm. Um, like, she plays a lot of instruments really yes i was um, not aware that she played instruments yeah she so her mom is a singer songwriter okay um her mom used to write for like dolly parton oh wow um so dolly parton guests on one of the songs what? in uh on the most recent album and it's a song that was dolly parton's original song that kesha's mom wrote wow uh which beautiful transition it's on my list all right uh <laughs> it's old flames okay. uh, by dolly parton uh, which I I love that song. Um, I liked it before Kesha covered it, and then I first heard her cover at the show uh, at Mr. Small's, and kind of went like, "Oh, my mind is blown! Did not know your mom wrote this." But That's nuts. Uh, I multi generationally like the right. Kesha family. <laughs> um, uh, I, in general, just a, a Dolly Parton fan. Okay. Um, I, I think there's probably no one on this list who I didn't have to struggle to pick a song for. <laughs> um, Formation by Beyonce. Word. Uh, in general, I, like the Lemonade album is mind-blowing. Yeah. Uh, there's just so much art to it. Yes. Uh, and message and the the visuals that are included. Like, it's, it's one of those things that's like, that's transcendent. Yeah. Of, just an album. Like everything about it. Just anytime you mention Lemonade, it's like, whoo. Yeah. Like that's what it's like. Right. Anybody's just like, whoo. Like it's just, imp- it's just important. Yeah. It feels important in a way that I, I don't know that my generation has experienced right. until that. Yeah. There are people, there was like all sorts of like, not just think pieces, but like there are people like making sort of basically a syllabus. Yes. For, for and there day. should be, right. right? Like, I'm like, that's a that's an album that I think will go down in history yeah. as, like, a earth-changing, earth-shattering album. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, Control by Poe. Oh, nice. Um, and then Bad Girls by M.I.A. Nice. Uh, and I think last time you allowed me to have an honorable mention. I did. And so I kept it. Uh, <laughs> and it's Red Shoes by Patty Griffin. Okay. Yeah. All right, cool. All right, that is a that's a great list. Thank you. So we're going to listen to that, and then we're going to come back with Questionable Conversation. Awesome. You almost had me fooled. That I was nothing without you. Oh, but after everything you've done, 
I can thank you for how strong I have become. Cause you brought the flames and you put me through hell. Alright, we are back with Liz Lebaz. Time for questionable conversation. Alright, we're gonna do some 20 random questions. They don't have to be rapid fire, so uh, you can take as much time as you need. Okay. Alright. So how do you define success? Mm. Um probably maxing out on my capacity. Okay. Um, and making a demonstrable difference either to the people that matter to me or to like the community that's the matter to me. Okay. What album can you listen to from beginning to end? Uh, Kesha's Rainbow. <laughs> if you could ask your future self one question, what would it be? <laughs> uh, Uh, are are we still in trouble in 2020? <laughs> okay. Um, how old were you when you went on your first date? My first date, Pro- probably like 13 or 14, but it was one of those like, oh, is this a date? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this is a date. <laughs> and this is a date. This is a date. Okay. And beyond that, probably like 16. Gotcha. Yeah. Do you need to write down things to remember them? Yes. What was your first job? Um, I worked for three days at a place called The Fudgery in uh, <laughs> Franklin Mills Mall in Philadelphia, which was a, a like a mall, not a kiosk. It was bigger than a kiosk, but it was, we made fudge and we sang songs about fudge while making fudge. Oh my God. And all of the songs were like pop songs where the words had been changed to be about fudge. Oh my God. That sounds. <laughs> and I quit after three days because the manager was sexist. After three days, you're like, nope. Yeah. I was not, like, no. Not this. Uh, yeah, totally not worth it. Just like, no. like, what the fuck? Well, because a bunch of my musical theater friends had worked there because it was, it was a singing job. Uh... Like, it was a job where you did a lot of performing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was into that. But to be the leader. To, the management changed in between when a bunch of my friends worked there and when I got hired and to be the lead in the fudge show, uh, (laughs) you had to like also do a lot of the heavy lifting. And at some point I asked like, when can I train to do that? Mm -hmm. And the manager was like, Oh, girls can't do that. It's too heavy. Oh dear. And at the time there was like a 15 year old, who's maybe five, three, like weighed a hundred pounds soaking wet boy doing it. And I was like, um, I could lift that and him test me. Like right. I'm pretty strong. And he was like, no girls don't do that. And I kind of went like, well, screw you, mister. I'm out. <laughs> this is not paying my bills. I'm like, 16. This, <laughs> it's like I could die. Freedom. Yes. Uh, favorite song to sing. Oh, who? Little girls, little girls. Uh, that's up there. Uh, probably the witch's lament from Into the Woods. Okay. Big musical theater nerd. Okay. Uh, so I, I love Sondheim, and uh, Into the Woods is probably my favorite musical. Hmm. Um, so my answer would probably change day to day. Uh, how do you learn best? By listening, watching, reading, or doing? Doing. Probably a combination of like reading and then doing. Okay. What's the first thing you do when you get home from a trip? Mm, sit on the couch. <laughs> not it's not unpack. I'll tell you that. That's <laughs> usually like three, like, four days later. Oh, if that month, a month maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. I'm really terrible at unpacking. I usually just live out of the suitcase until <laughs> it's empty, and then I put it away. Like, all right, I'm yeah. finally unpacked. I'm unpacked now. <laughs> What is your favorite part of the human face and why? Oh, uh, I think I'm a, a lips person. Okay. Um, like I think that, you know, people are very expressive with their mouths and that's where talking comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, do you talk to yourself? All the time. Do you enjoy thunderstorms? I do. Do you speak any other languages? Uh, very high school French. <laughs> do you remember your dreams? rarely outside of family members with whom is your longest friendship uh tom mccormick we were in annie together um and 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 with the wizard of oz uh and the first time i did a play with him 
uh, my friend Charlotte said, we don't like the McCormick brothers. They're terrible. So, like, I had this, like, enemyship with Tom and his brother Bob for a year. And then in The Wizard of Oz, Tom was chewing gum. And I asked him for a piece of gum. And he said, okay, you can have a piece of gum, but you have to be nice to me for a day. And we've been friends ever since. <laughs> Brought together by gum. Brought together by gum. That gum had sticking power. Who is someone who encourages you? Uh, uh, My friends are very encouraging. I think my parents, especially as I've gotten older, have been much more encouraging because I think they feel less like, oh, no, you might be a vagrant artist. (laughs) Um, They're like, yeah, you've proven yourself now. Like you're still getting your your artist life going, but you're you're taking care of yourself. Uh, My partner is very encouraging. He is... uh, I, I never feel like he doubts that I can do something and is usually a really good sounding board on like how to do this. There's never like a, no, I don't think you're able to do it. It's more like he's very good at being like, okay, let's, let's problem solve this. That's amazing. Yeah. That's very important. Yeah. Um, who is your celebrity crush? Mm. Weirdly enough, like Ian McKellen, I don't really want to like marry him. I just want to like hang out with him. And, yeah, like, no, I, I totally get it. Yeah. Like, like, like I would love to spend a yes. day with He's him just seems delightful or even just i'd take an hour of tea yeah just like just sit and have tea yep um you never get tired of blank mm. pumpkin spice really <laughs> yeah controversial i love it <laughs> i will ride or die for pumpkin spice <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> are you proud of yourself yes describe yourself in one word mm snarky love it thank you so much liz thank you Um, this has been delightful yes um where can people find your works and things and you on the interwebs um so frankly scarlet nights of the arcade uh arcade comedy theater all have uh facebook pages um arcadecomedytheater.com is sort of the home for arcade where you can find links to classes which i teach uh, shows which I'm in. Uh, I'm also in Warp Zone, which is one of the Max teams at Arcade. Um, we are a long form team. We've gone to the Chicago Improv Festival and San Diego Improv Festival and Pittsburgh Improv Festival. My diction is going right out the window. <laughs> Pittsburgh Improv Festival. It's been a long time. Um, they they can all kind of be linked to from the Arcade website or they all have Facebook pages. Um, on Twitter, I am at Liz Labs, L I Z L A B Z. Um, and I, I recently unlocked uh, my Twitter account because I'm no longer job hunting. So come follow me. I'm available again. It's mostly I tweet a lot about politics. I'm sorry. Uh, and uh, television and pop culture. So I love it. It's a great mix. Of, yeah. It's me in a nutshell. Isn't that what Twitter's for, though? Yes, I, I think mean, it is. Yes. I mean, honestly. I hope so. <laughs> well, you're doing it right. All right. Uh, and thanks. Per usual, you guys, you can follow me on um, RuggedAngel.com is the website. Twitter at the underscore Rugged Angel. Find the show on iTunes and Libsyn under Rugged Angel Productions. Rugged Angel is one word. My diction is also going out <laughs> the window. I'm contagious. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, we're going to stop this now before things go to shit. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>